all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Well, welcome to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we're live today despite a lot of ice and snow and everything we share with you. A lot of you are off today, so maybe you haven't heard the program before. We um, take all questions on all topics uh, five days a week. And this is the Wednesday show, the middle of the week. And we'd love to have your question uh, and try to help you with any medical issues that you may have. So just give us a call. Uh, It's just me today. I didn't bring a sidekick along because I thought we might have uh, some uh, questions about the flu and other things that we would have a good number of people uh, listening to uh, today. Everybody's cons- and we're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. Or you can send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline dot org. Had a lot, a lot of people in the office this week with flu, uh, and now they're at home and can't get back for follow-up, and lots of questions about uh, who should call the doctor with the flu and who shouldn't and who's at risk and so forth. So if you want to know more about that, give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. In general, in general... People who are immunosuppressed need to let their doctor know or their other provider know that they have a febrile, an illness with a fever, anytime that occurs. I'm talking about a large number of people who are on medicines for rheumatoid arthritis like Enbrel and Humira, um, people with lupus that are on CellSAP, people with transplants that are taking that drug or other immunomodulators, that your immune system doesn't work like it would normally because it's been revved down uh, in order to turn off the inflammatory response that's causing your disease. So if you get a fever, more often than not, we're going to treat you with prophylactic antibiotics uh, if uh, it is a significant one or if you don't feel well. So that's that's for sure one that you need to remember. If you're hypogammaglobinemic and on uh, gamma globulin replacement, that's another reason. And we have a whole lot of folks with that problem as well. Uh, they usually present with recurrent infections. And so uh, even though we've replaced their antibodies, They need a little bit of help during a significant infection. If you have a chronic disease, uh, like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, any kind of respiratory problem that is chronic, interstitial pneumonitis, uh, pulmonary fibrosis, you need to call your doctor if you get the flu. Uh, And, of course, I'm talking about symptomatic flu. Many, many people are not having significant symptoms with the flu. They're having what looks like a cold. And uh, I'm talking about the bad kind with muscle aches, severe fatigue, uh, fevers in the 102, 3, 4 range, or infants who have uncontrolled uh, fevers is another another group of people who need to let the doctors know. We can't do a whole lot other than treat symptoms. You want to let the doctors know early because the 
flu antiviral agent that we use, Tamiflu, uh, uh, only works if it's given in the first 48 hours. So you want to let your doctor know about that <clears throat> or your nurse practitioner, whoever you're getting your care from, uh, where you can get on that if you have the bad flu. Now, that, that drug is not a wonder drug. It decreases your symptoms a bit. Uh, and length and decreases the length of time you're ill a bit, uh, but it doesn't. All of a sudden, it's not like taking penicillin for a strep throat. You don't get better in several hours, but it's certainly worth taking if you're real sick. By the way, I wanted to mention before we go to Horn Lake in your house, if you give us a call, we have lots of open lines. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 1877 MPB ring or at Southern Remedy at MPBonline.org. That the first of our series um, will um, appear on the opioid epidemic in Mississippi uh, tonight at 9 30 p.m. and will be repeated Sunday at 1 o'clock p.m. That is a program called Hooked, and there are four of these in the series that uh, we've worked with uh, with MPB, and I hope you'll uh, take a look, and if you have anyone who has a problem with substance use or abuse, you'll have them take a look at the series. It talks a little bit about how this happens, how people have become hooked, what role we doctors and the pharmaceutical companies have played in this process, and what uh, treatments are available and how to find them. That's hooked tonight at 9.30, uh, Wednesday night or Sunday at 1 p.m. on MPB television. We'd love to have you join us for that. Let's go to David in Horn Lake. Hey, David. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. What's going on? Uh, well, I'm 62, and um, my father had Parkinson's, my mama had Alzheimer's, and my sister had multiple sclerosis. I'm concerned about neurological diseases. Is there a uh, test or a scan or uh, a drug study or something? Because uh, um, that's my primary concern, neurological diseases and what yeah. my risk factors. <clears throat> I get uh, questions all the time from uh, patients and friends of patients and people that are walking around at church about uh, similarities uh, to uh, to your question having to do with a variety of diseases. We do know that certain diseases can be inheritable. For instance, Alzheimer's uh, can be inherited, the early onset form. The rest of the cases are uh, appear to be spontaneous and are, are not inherited. We're beginning to sort of figure out what causes Alzheimer's, and there's a lot of hope that we'll be able to prevent it in the long term. But most Alzheimer's is not inherited. Parkinson's disease, which is another neurodegenerative disease, uh, is rarely inherited. And um, uh, and is unusual. Now, there are Parkinsonian-like illnesses that can occur from heavy metal ingestion and another a number of other toxicities uh, that are also not inherited but look like it. So the park, the and I, I have a point there I'll get to, uh, and the other neurological uh, conditions that you mentioned uh, are usually not inherited uh, either. However, uh, I certainly understand your anxiety about that, and uh, we don't do screening tests for these disease un diseases unless there are symptoms, and this is pretty much an across-the-board thing in diseases that we don't have a treatment for. Now, we have, uh, we have symptomatic treatments for Parkinson's, but we don't initiate those until people have symptoms because they're not curative. Each one of these is temporary, and uh, we have to roll through a series of different drugs for people with Parkinson's because most of them do not sustain 
um, a symptom relief more so than several years. So we have a uh, uh, a, a series of these. Uh, Alzheimer's uh, disease, same way. Uh, we don't uh, we don't screen for that unless someone has symptoms, and those are symptoms. A, a clear change in behavior. Uh, if you have the frontotemporal temporal, uh, variety of dementia or just uh, mood changes uh, or with classic Alzheimer's, it's usually forgetfulness, although you can have personality changes uh, as the disease progresses. So uh, I, I, I wish I could tell you that there was something uh, something you needed to do, but I think the most important thing you can do in your situation is live as healthy as possible. We feel now that the majority of these neurogenerative diseases probably reflect a combination of, uh, of uh, some environmental uh, thing like diet, exposure, exercise, and a propensity, which is not uh, truly an inherited condition like you would think of uh, things like uh, immune deficiency or other things. So I'm sorry, David, I can't, I can't give you a specific thing you need to, to, uh, to look for other than any change in your status, and I certainly would not spend any money uh, or any time getting genetic testing or anything else because I don't think any of it would be beneficial. Is that helpful? That was sort of a lecture. I didn't mean it to be that way. No, no, no. Uh, one other question. Uh, what about these uh, the supplements that infomercial on uh, fish oils? What about them? The fish oil. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're... They're recommended for uh, by people who want to make money yeah. primarily. Uh, and like uh, other dietary supplements, uh, there is some, uh, they're used primarily for people with uh, cholesterol issues. And in particular, people that have problems with their triglycerides. Um, you know, there are several types of lipid problems there's low, good cholesterol, bad, high cholesterol and bad triglycerides, and they have to be really bad triglycerides to make you sick because they have to be in the thousands, and that's very unusual. So a lot of people take them as an adjuvant to therapy. Some people that don't respond to the usual excellent treatments that we have for hyperlipidemia, which uh, is too much of bad cholesterol and triglycerides, statins, some people that don't respond to those or have side effects from those we will try this but in general it doesn't work very well and you have to you have to take enough of them to smell like a salmon uh for them to work very well so uh there's some you can put them in freeze them and swallow them frozen and there's some new expensive ones that you don't stink as bad when you take them but in general uh there is a price to be paid for taking enough of them to make them work that's probably more than you wanted to know, Dave, but that's uh, that's the story. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. We have open lines on Southern Remedy. Uh, this is the direct answer portion of our program where we give you the truth, uh, whether it hurts or not, about medical issues. And we'd love to have you call one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Uh, moving uh, around to use your cell phone will warm up your frozen hands. And so we'd love to talk to you, or we'd love to get your email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org. And here is, here is an email. It's from Gail. Gail, thanks for this email. I'm alone and lonely up here today, and uh, uh, any attention I get will help my failing ego. Uh, your question is, my blood pressure moniker cuff, my blood pressure monitor cuff has sprung a leak, so I need to buy a new one. I recall that you have discussed blood pressure monitors in the past and have named ones that you recommend for home blood pressure monitoring. 
Could you tell me which ones you recommend, any particular features I should look for? Uh, yes, I do have uh, my biases about these. Uh, number one, uh, I don't like the wrist cuffs. I don't think they work well, and I don't think you ought to buy them. Uh, the ones that uh, uh, work better are the 40 to $50 range Panasonic and other uh, uh, automated blood pressure cuffs that your pharmacist can actually demonstrate for you at your local drugstore. And uh, they are really quite good. And uh, I just happened to remember the Panasonic one uh, because I had a Panasonic TV many years ago that didn't work. Uh, this blood pressure cuff works, and uh, but there are others in the same range, and they don't stock the ones that don't work because they don't want to have, have to take them back. So if you get them at one of the major drug stores or one of the major big box stores, they're going to be the right ones. You have to have a cuff that is appropriate for your arm. If you are overweight or you just have big arms, you have to have a large cuff. And uh, do not buy one and use the regular cuff if you have big arms without making sure that you can get the large cuff. Now, you can get the large cuff from ordering one. They don't come with these. Uh, And usually there's some information in there about that. Don't buy it unless you can get one to fit your your particular thing. So that means you're going to take it to the pharmacist and say, are there large cuffs available for this? And if he, he or she says no, you say, well, will you open this up and find out? And if they're not willing to do it, don't buy it. Uh, there are also medical supply places, you, you know these places, you heard about them, who sell the large cuffs. If you buy a large cuff from a medical supply company, do not leave the store without having them hook it up and make sure it works. I had a patient yesterday in clinic who told me that she's bought two or three of these large cuffs from medical supply companies, and every time she gets home and and activates the machine, the thing unravels and can't take her blood pressure. Well, they sold her the wrong doggone cuff. So uh, take the time to get a good one. So my recommendation is a Panasonic or similar automated blood pressure cuff. And remember that if you're going to take home blood pressures, which are more important than in-office doctor blood pressures, because they're usually elevated in uh, the doctor's office because you're wondering about how much you're going to get charged or how long you're going to have to wait or whether the doctor's going to be mad at you or whatever, um, uh, or whether he's going to tell you bad news, uh, that's not a good time to have your blood pressure taken. So the ones at home are the ones that count. And to take your blood pressure at home, you have to not drink any caffeine for at least an hour. You have to sit down in a chair for at least 10 minutes, have your legs uncrossed. Oh, I forgot. You have to urinate. Uh, just not uh, having your blood pressure checked on a full bladder will drive your blood pressure up 5 to 10 points. So you have to urinate. Uh, don't drink coffee. Urinate. Sit down in the chair for 10 minutes, uncross your legs, that that jacks it up too, and then take it. And I would take it twice, and I would record it where you can take it in to see your doctor. That's much more than you wanted, but I appreciate your question. And we're going to go to Oklahoma, the famous place where you're getting those canoes and go wild. Mobile and Fairhope in your house, if you call us. At one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, we do have an open line. What's going on, Carol Ann? Okay, so um, several questions. One, uh, um, I take uh, a stat, a private stat for uh, elevated cholesterol. Although everything else seems to be right, I don't have elevated blood pressure. But I was told that. Uh, Statins can strip your body of uh, CoQ10. So I take uh, ubiquinol or CoQ10 as a supplement. So I wanted your opinion on that. The other thing, you know, various times during the year, 
I don't know why it's usually at a church, but they have these, like, three cardiovascular kinds of screening tests or something. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to to know what you thought about those. I think it costs about $90 or something to to see if you are a candidate for some kind of cardiovascular problem. And um, then thirdly, uh, even though I keep my HDL and LDL what they should be, I seem to have a problem keeping my triglycerides within the, the the range. I mean, it's just slightly elevated. So, would uh, uh, my taking the fish oil pills elevate my triglycerides? Okay. Do you know what your body mass index is? Um, I'm sorry, I don't. I'm. I'm. Are you stout? Are you stout? Uh, no, no. I am 59 years old. Uh, I'm five, 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 and I I weigh 158. Okay. So let me. Uh, that's good. Let me let me just uh, go through those uh, questions as best I can remember them. Number one, statins. One of the side effects of statins is muscle aches, and uh, and uh, the uh, CoQ10 uh, can infect. Uh, in effect, uh, can in fact help that problem. So if I have people who uh, I start on a statin, but, uh, by the way, pravastatin is one that really is is good because it doesn't have a lot of these. It's usually the more potent ones like Crestor that are, are problems. So I usually mention to people, and it's probably a mistake because there's a study that shows uh, that in people who were given placebo, uh, the same percentage of people had muscle cramps as the ones that were started on a statin. So many, many doctors feel that all this muscle spasm stuff is voodoo, but if it happens to you, it's 100%. So I always tell my patients, if you have any muscle problems, uh, go to the store and get uh, CoQ10 and follow the manufacturer's recommendations on the dose and see if that will help, and frequently it does. So that's the main uh, purpose of that, and I don't know that one brand is any better than the other. I try to, if you're going to take an over-the-counter medicine, I recommend you always look for the USP, USP, uh, United States Pharmacopeia um, sticker on there, because at least it means that the company has abided by the regulations of good pharmacy practice uh, and not just uh, gone out and dug up something and ground it up and put it in a pill and sold it. So so that's that one. Next thing is the uh, triglycerides. Uh, triglycerides tend to be elevated in people who have metabolic syndrome, that's hypertension, diabetes, uh, and... Uh, the related complications, or the propensity thereto. So um, that's the big concern. You can also have uh, triglycerides elevated if you have problems with your pancreas, but that those that's usually a different set of issues. You usually have pancreatitis with it. So I think, uh, and, and we don't know that uh, borderline triglycerides are risk factors. Uh, people will argue that. I think you need to keep the best way to control your triglyceride is to keep your weight down. Uh, you can take uh, the pills, uh, the the uh, uh, oil, fish oil pills, and see if that helps if you're bothered. But if you'll lose a couple of pounds, it'll probably normalize on its own. And that's the way we well, just about every diabetic has elevated triglycerides. And just about everybody who has prediabetes has it, which, by the way, there is no such thing as prediabetes anymore. They took that out of the dictionary. You either got it or you don't. So um, there you go. I think that's most of them. Uh, Carolyn, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Let's go to Mobile. I'm Dr. Rick at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. here with some hot chocolate taking your question. Mary, what's going on in mobile? I just wondered if there was something you could take for gas 
which is not reflux. It's just a lot of abdominal gas and stomach gurgling. I got you. I got you. Is this a new problem or one you've had all life, all your life? Not all my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe five years. It's gotten worse. And is it associated with milk or dairy products? I hardly eat any of those. Maybe cheese. Okay. The reason I ask about that, Mary, is that you probably know this. There's this thing called lactase deficiency that some people have, and it can pop up at any age. And the gut doesn't make enough of this lactase to metabolize lactose, which is one of the sugars in dairy products. And the bacteria overgrow, and you end up exploding with gas and but you usually know it because every time you eat ice cream or drink milk you blow up uh and embarrass yourself so the other uh other uh causes of chronic gas are swallowing a lot of air and we see this in people who snore uh people who swim uh people who uh uh use um, have a nervous tick where they swallow air as part of their tension release. Or it can occur with certain legumes, in particular beans uh, and onions uh, and the like. Uh, onions are not a legume, but any kind of beans uh, can do it. And since you've noticed no no food problem, and I presume you're up to date on your colonoscopy, right? Yes, but the only thing that <clears throat> that works is Beano. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Uh, it's a methicone combo, and a lot of times it doesn't work. Uh, have you tried that? No. Uh, that's what I'd where I'd start. That's the cheapest fix, Good. and it ba- basically most people it takes care of it. But you can't just take it once. If you're mm. going to go out, you know you need to take it for sure, especially if you're going to church or a wedding or something like that. It's very. <laughs> But it's very embarrassing. But I've noticed, I have noticed that uh, when that happens to me occasionally, I usually hear somebody else has the same problem around me. So I, it seems to be part of aging. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Great. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Bye. We got open lines at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and we're going to Fairhope, Alabama. Hey, Joan. Hello there. It's always beautiful in Fairhope, but y'all got some snow, didn't you? Ha ha. Did I saw it in my front yard? <laughs> A rare phenomena. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm calling about my. I heard you talking about the fish oil, and I got off of my fish oil, and I think that Omega Q Plus with the resveratrol is a good change. Uh, substitute is that right? Okay, so you you uh, rosferatol is the uh, active substance in wine yes. that is supposed to be um, you know beneficial, and I can't believe that anyone from Fairhope would take <laughs> a substitution for wine. <laughs> Since you've probably got more wine users per square foot than any place in the United States, <laughs> drinking wine once dr- drinking wine once a month during the summer months is inviting the whole town to come down and doing it. I'm, it's a great place. No, uh, I don't drink wine. Oh, okay. Well, you got the best part of it anyway. So uh, I don't have any problems with uh, with that particular product. I don't think it's any better than any other, and I don't think if you're on a tight budget, you need to take it anyway. But if you oh, feel feel really? no, uh, if yeah, you eat a good have... diet, you don't need any kind of supplement. You may need a multivitamin, the cheapest one you can find, uh, just to give you. Um, uh, just to make sure nothing is missing. But uh, if you eat a normal diet with a balanced diet with fruits and and some meat, yes, I do think meat is good. A lot of fish uh, and, uh, you know, the normal uh, healthy diet, Mediterranean-type diet with a lot, that, without a lot of carbs, uh, then you're going to get all the nutrients you need. What do you think of turmeric? Uh, I think I wish I had stock in any company that made it. 
uh, and distributed it because I wouldn't be here. I would be in Fairhope, actually, uh, uh, on the hill up there uh, in one of those big houses. Uh, so, so, so I, I live in a house that was built in 1935. Well, that uh, it's probably means it's going to be there a while. Oh, amen. You can't drive a nail in the wall. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if it, you know, I don't think it does anything. I think it's a good spice. Uh, but no, I don't think it does anything. But if you take some and it makes you feel wonderful, then uh, it's not going to hurt you. How's that? Glucosamine chondroitin for my bones. That has been shown not to work. Not? Mm-mm. Does not work. Mm-mm. Not unless you're a horse. Because I haven't been back to the doctor about that. Well, then keep taking it. But in (laughs) controlled trials, it doesn't work. (laughs) So um, I I don't take it. I have terrible arthritis, and I don't take it because I'm cheap. And you you tried it because of Yes, I have tried it. It didn't do anything, but that's... Long enough? Yeah, but if it works, then stick with it because it's safe. Well, I love your show. Thank you for answering my question. Good to talk to you. We've got open lines. Uh, if you're from Fairhope or any other place in the universe, we would love to hear from you. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. It's just uh, us uh, guys that didn't hear that we could have taken the day off uh, up here uh, slugging along. So we'd love to have your company. Wherever you are, give us a call. We've got open lines one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to uh, Lake Mississippi and your house in just a minute. If you give us a call, here's another email. About a month ago, I had the most severe outbreak of psoriasis that I have ever had in my life. I started an eating plan called Whole Thirty, where you cut out sugar, artificial sweeteners, grains, beans, and dairy. Could this have been a detox response to the eating plan? I hadn't had an outbreak in quite a few years before that time. It affects my elbows and scalps. And so she she's uh, I'm going to give her the diagnosis of psoriasis because she's uh, had it a while and she's uh, affected in two of the most common areas, the elbows and the scalp. So let's assume that the diagnosis is correct. We don't have a clue what causes psoriasis. Um, it's in the acne family and has an acneiform component. And acne, we now know what causes that. It's a bacteria that grows in your in your glands of your skin. And that's why we're using tetracycline and stuff like that. But that, that has, I'm just trying to give you some hope that eventually we'll know what causes it. But we do not know what causes it. And the treatment for it, for the most part, is moisturization and anti-inflammatory agents. And now we have biologics um, that can also be used, things in the Humira family. So uh, if it really gets bad, I don't, I, I cannot honestly tell you that the Whole30 diet you were on did not make your psoriasis flare. But I will tell you there is no scientific data to show that foods are a major trigger of psoriasis uh, in large populations with people with psoriasis. By the way, I think uh, decreasing your carbs is really a good idea. Uh, We eat too many carbs, and uh, anybody that tells you a high-carb diet is good needs to have a uh, mental exam by somebody. Uh, Now, grains are pretty good. Some dairy, not a whole lot, but some dairy is good, and beans are great. Beans are a good source of protein. Uh, that's why people used to, uh, you know, eat them every week in New Orleans. Uh, uh, every Monday when they washed the dishes, they, uh, uh, I mean, washed the clothes, they had those pots out so they could do that red beans and rice thing. And uh, and if it's a problem, you can do like one of our other callers. You can take some beano. So thanks for your call. Hey, Savannah. What's going on? Hey, uh, cold. Yeah, it's it's unacceptable, isn't it? <laughs> it is unacceptable. We need to send it back to Canada. We really did. Yeah. I'm a summer person. <laughs> yeah. What's your issue? <clears throat> well, my issue, Doctor Rick, is um, recently I was diagnosed with hepatitis C. Good for uh, you. 
That's good because you can treat it and you can cure it. And if you didn't, you might get cirrhosis. Okay. Well, I'm 61 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't know when I got it, how I got it. My doctor told me uh, that anybody born between 1945 and 1965 needed to be screened for it. And he's and so a smart I doctor. Was along with it, and uh, turns out that I'm I tested positive for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, he sent me uh, to get. I had to go get. A uh, couple of shots, hepatitis A and hepatitis B, and uh, I went and took those, and then I had to wait. I've got to wait six months to take my other ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, then also he told me uh, that I have to wait. Well, he's GI associates in Jackson. Yeah. I won't mention any names, but uh, he told me that uh, I had to wait six months to be able to go over there because I like jury wine. <laughs> Maybe I should be from Fairhope. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, but, so uh, but he, just, did he start you on the antiviral yet? Uh, he hasn't. I haven't taken any medication at all except the shot. My my doctor, my primary doctor that found it, that had me screened, he said that uh, that my liver is working great. Mm-hmm. But he said, you know, that there's no way to tell when I got it, how I got it. Uh, so I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of concerned about well, uh, it. Well, first of all, don't worry about where you got it. You got it. It's done. You got it somewhere. Yeah. And a lot of it is sexually acquired. It can be acquired from blood products um, and so forth. So, I mean, yeah, you got it. So the heck with it okay. now get rid of it so okay. hepatitis c can be a quiet cause can percolate around your liver for many years and end up yeah, cause, i feel great uh, good and you can feel great while it's happening and uh uh and then end up in later life with cirrhosis it actually is one of the major causes it may be the major cause of cirrhosis uh, in older people at this point, alcohol used to be the major cause, but this is bypassed it because so many people have been infected. And there are different genetic types of hepatitis C. So what they do, the reason he's stalling on putting you on your viral antiviral therapy and just getting you to get the shots for hepatitis uh, A and B is that he sent your blood off to get uh, uh, a genetic uh, evaluation on your hepatitis C virus to help choose which antiviral would be best for you, okay? Because different ones are used for different, uh, different strains of the virus. And then you'll be on this antiviral, uh, and there are several of them now, that are really quite good. Uh, and I think the treatment depends on which one you take. The treatment is less than a year, uh, and then it's gone. They recheck you, and that's it. Usually, gets rid of it, and uh, and uh, that's it. What about that? How long will I have to take it? Well, it depends on which one uh, you choose. He will tell you that it's usually less than a year. Okay. Okay. And your insurance will cover it. Right. So that's a good thing. And right. th- some of the older ones had a lot of side effects, but the newer ones have very few. And the thing, uh, and they can give you some things to help with that. So sure. uh, you did the right thing. You, listen, you got a doctor who is good. Stick with that yeah. doctor. He's right that's up to same. date. Hmm? That's the same. My, my primary doctor is the one that. That's who I'm I, talking I, about. Yeah. And then, you know, when I went. To the other doctor, I don't even know what he's, what kind of doctor he's called, but over in Jackson, then you know he told me I commend you and and your doctor. Did he give you a discount on your bill? Did he waive your copay? No copay. Oh well, good. Well, I would have certainly asked for some recognition for good behavior from him, especially a gastroenterologist who tend to do embarrassing things to you. But those are good doctors at GI Associates, and you stick with them, and thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Let's go to Sarah in Louisiana. Hey, Sarah. Good morning. What's happening? What's happening? 
I need to know about Prilosec and Omeprazole. Uh-huh. Do you know if it causes memory problems? Some uh, some people say it does. I have a um, I have a, a friend who is a, a dementia specialist, and they take all of their um, all of their dementia patients off of it, and uh, they they say it is a reversible call call uh, problem, and I I just am not convinced. I've looked at the literature on this up and down. And I don't think it does. But some people are still convinced of it. We have been taking a lot of people off of these proton pump inhibitors that we use for years for reflux because all these studies keep coming out, freaking people out about bone problems with them and dementia with them and all kinds of other stuff. Usually, retrospective clinical studies where they look at a million people who have had dementia and see what percentage of them were on Prilosec or whatever. And then if it's a lot of them, they say it probably caused it. So just because you have two things going on at once doesn't mean that they are causal, one caused the other. So, But I will tell you, I've taken off all my patients uh, off of uh, any of these uh, stomach acid uh, medicines, proton pump inhibitors uh, that don't need them. Uh, we've got too many people taking them for too long, and just in case it's a problem, uh, you can take them on an as-needed basis. Is that helpful? Well, yes and no. <laughs> well, let's let's fix the no part. Okay, because I had hip surgery, and that was supposed to eliminate me having the acid reflux. Uh huh. You had what kind of surgery? Tiff. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah. I don't know what it stands for, but anyway, my doctor did tiff surgery where it was supposed to stop it. Right. Stop the, um, acid from coming back up in my throat because they said it causes Barrett's disease. Yep. And uh, so I had that done. <clears throat> Seemed like it worked for a little while, but it's I have had the heartburn so bad it burns all the way up into my throat. Well, there's a lot of complications from having that. You can aspirate it and develop lung disease, that acid that's going coming back up your esophagus. You can get Barrett's esophagus, which is a precancerous condition of the um, of the esophagus for esophageal cancer. So in your case, you have an indication to take it, and I definitely would take it. In fact, most people would be treated with a proton pump inhibitor and an antihistamine, like ranitidine uh, in combination. But let your, let your doctor help you choose the right thing. I personally would uh, think the benefit uh, is more important than the risk in your particular situation because I don't believe the, that literature. And if, if that were true, the FDA would require a black box warning on the label of the drug, and they're not even thinking about that. So I would uh, not get get crazy about it. How's that? The uh, reason I was calling to ask because I've been on I've been on a meprazole, no, a for years and years, mm-hmm. and um, and it does help. But then I had one doctor tell me that it's not good to take that because our bodies are made to have acid in our stomach, and when you take that, it does it gets rid of all the acid. And then you're not normal. Well, why don't you why don't you tell him to switch stomachs with you for a couple of weeks, <laughs> and uh, and and let him have your uh, burning in up your chest and reflux symptoms with stuff in your mouth that's nasty and all the rest of it, and see what he thinks about it then. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Blocking acid can affect absorption of iron and other things. But that's why we check your blood count and your other things uh, nutritionally to make sure you're okay while you're on it. So I I think that's boogaloo, and I think you need it. How's that? What about someone told me that I could take vinegar and um, and honey, and that would help it? I wouldn't do that. I'd take something that you know that works. I I don't think it uh, no, you don't need any more carbs anyway. It's like drinking pure sugar. Uh, that's my opinion now. You know, I, I just have opinions about stuff. Thanks for your call. Let's go to Lisa. Lisa, what's wrong with your hand? 
Well, I, can I make a comment about a previous caller on the hepatitis? You can C? make a comment about anything you want to make a comment about, as long as you don't use four-letter words. And right now on the air, that seems to be popular to do. So you may be able to get away with that. Well, some four-letter words ain't bad. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, like love and hug. You know. but, um, <laughs> I, used have, I used to have hepatitis C. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in California for a while. I moved back out here, and um, they, they tested me. You know, I already knew I had it. And I said, well, they never they never treated it in California. They go, well, be thankful because if it hadn't killed you, you would have wished it had. But they put me on Harvoni. Yeah. And uh, no side effects. And I've, and the last three years, it's been coming back fine. Fantastic. And, um, and if I need it's cured or whatever. So it works. It looks expensive, but it works. Did you have any side effects? Uh, none. You know, they, I mean, I, they said fatigue, well, fatigue I already have. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Headache, I didn't get a headache. I am so glad you called to, to reassure that sweet lady about it because she's concerned. But I've heard of all on TV. It's like, well, it's true. That, you know, now everybody's eligible to take it. But um, I had no side effects, n- none whatsoever. And it was, I think it was on 12, 12 weeks, one pill a day. Don't drop one. They're expensive. But, you know, one pill, one pill a day. No stomach problems and nothing. Yeah. Well, that's great. Do you have a question, or you? Uh, oh yes, actually, I do. Um, I appreciate I the like testimony. To... I'm not uh, Oral Roberts. Well, he's dead. Oh. For sure, I'm not but him. It, but it really does work. It really does Good. work. Good. All right. Um, uh, I do have arthritis, and I've had carpal tunnel in the past. I did surgery 20 years ago, but I've been waking up with my hands swollen more mm-hmm. so the right than the left one. But I'm a bum- I'm a skinny person, and it's real puffy swollen even into my wrist. Hmm. So is it hot, swollen, and tender, or just swollen? Just swollen. Mm-hmm. Well, there are about 10 million causes to that. Is that the hand you had the carpal tunnel surgery on? Actually, I had both because I was in a motorcycle wreck, and they had me on crutches and canes for so long, it, it pounded the nerves to death. Mm-hmm. I, I've been both hands. And they say it's coming back. Not, it's not as painful as it was before. But it's coming back. But now, uh, actually, my fingers will cramp sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just different times, different fingers, and it's... It's, all the things are affected now. I'm not sure what's going okay, on. Okay, let's t- let's talk about this. The reason your hand swells for any reason is that the blood that goes in there doesn't get out. Okay, so the blood vessels are either not working right or being squeezed in such a way that you accumulate fluid from the blood vessels going in there. And uh, you can also have that from an infection uh, because the blood vessels leak in infection. So there are many, many causes of unilateral swelling of a hand, and all of them require medical evaluation. And the usual evaluation is, of course, to do the test for recurrent carpal tunnel, which can cause this. And that's more likely that what's going on. But there can be blood supply issues. So you can do a Doppler to look, make sure the blood supply is appropriate. And also check your blood uh, proteins to make sure you have appropriate protein distribution to keep, uh, keep the blood inside of your blood vessels and not have it leak out. So I can't give you a specific... Uh, answer to that other than to say if you came to me with that question I would do a workup on that and uh, since you had a surgeon who uh, took care of your carpal tunnel and who already knows you it might be in the, if that person is still around and you like that person that might be the first person I would like uh, I would recommend that you go to to take a look at this so I hope that helps we we appreciate your call Lisa and it's nice to have somebody from Mississippi who likes us uh, because we're getting calls from more other places. And, and so I'm, I'm beginning to wonder. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. This is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick. A little silly today because uh, uh, hot chocolate is the only thing keeping me alive in this cold. Let's go to Madison and Jackie. Hey, Jackie. Hey, I have a question about antipsychotic drug in Vega, uh-huh. uh, sustenance, uh, 234 milligram shot that is given to my elderly sister who has, she was hospitalized about 16 months ago and she's not compliant, she's schizophrenic. And I've noticed about uh, four or five months after she started getting medication um, for paranoia that she started showing signs of uh, Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. She has the uh, 
neuropathy in her feet, trembling in her hand, uh, shaky writing, and um, her general health has just gone down. Uh, she lost about 40 pounds in this time frame, and um, she had cataract surgery in December, and I kept her with me and took her to uh, for the holidays with my family, and just being around people was helpful, but I didn't, uh, we, we didn't have a shot since, like, November, and I've noticed her health has improved. Now, I do have an appointment with a neurologist in uh, Gulfport on mm-hmm. Friday, mm-hmm. but it seems too coincidental since uh, her health has gone down so dramatically. Right. So uh, that particular agent is uh, a, a new agent, which is in the family of the, and I know you probably know this, but I'm trying to make sure other people who are listening <clears throat> understand your question. Uh, it is an atypical antipsychotic, and uh, the the reason they call it an atypical is that it does not have usually have the side effects that some of the older antipsychotics like halopuridol, haldol have, where everybody starts drooling and has other uh, other problems. But uh, it does, and it can cause Parkinsonianism. Uh, All of the drugs in this family can do that, and uh, usually uh, there are other medicines. We don't like to give a medicine to treat side effects from another medicine, but this is a case with schizophrenia uh, and other of these psychotic disorders that we sometimes have to do that. And uh, so there are medicines that can be taken with it uh, to, to decrease the probability, the usual response, the re- usual thing that we do when somebody develops Parkinsonian symptoms after um, a initiation of an antipsychotic is to decrease the dose and see if we can find a dose that will treat the condition and um, and uh, and not have the symptoms. Isn't it funny? that doctors give the same dose of most medicines to somebody who weighs 300 pounds or somebody who weighs 90 pounds. I noticed that with my mother, who was on an antipsychotic after she developed uh, Alzheimer's uh, disease. And uh, she got the same dose that they were giving all the big men uh, in her institution and uh, when we cut the dose down to something that fit her size, uh, she was able to take this without any difficulty. So I think you need to see that neurologist. I think the neurologist will be quite aware of side effects from this family of drugs and will give you the right answers. So I hope that's helpful. I'm sorry we didn't get to Madison and Jackson. I hope you guys will call back again next week. Uh, or send me an email at southernremedy.mpbonline.org. It's been fun as usual visiting with you, and I hope we've helped you a little bit along the way. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, supported by an unrestricted grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo here with our producer, Jay White, and our unknown call answerer, uh, saying thanks for listening, and we'll be back the same time next week. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.